Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. It is a special day, listeners. It is National Coming Out Day. Yes, every October 11th, we celebrate the journey of those of us who come out, as well as those who are in the process, and those who may be just starting the thoughts of coming out. It's about coming out in whatever way fits for you. And I'm so excited that I was thinking in my little pea brain head, like, what can I do this national coming out day? Who can I get? And suddenly, you know, you ask and the universe delivers kind of like RuPaul, like here's your next drag queen. Right. And suddenly I was approached about the person I'm about to bring onto the show. He is a psychotherapist. He is an author who is what I would consider at this point, written a book that's very poignant for our times right now. It's a parent's guide to supporting your LGBTQ kid. And the book is actually called Out, A Parent's Guide to Helping Your LGBTQ Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. And what a great thing to have at our disposal these days. And some of you might be going, well, we've had lots of these books. Well, I don't think you've had one quite like this because... John Sovek is my guest, and he's very dedicated to really helping parents do this and do it in the right way. I know I wish I would have had a parent that was as well prepared, not that we can ever be 100% prepared, but I'm really excited to have John here to share about his book, his journey, all the stuff that he's learned through his years of being a psychotherapist focused in this arena, and glad to have you here on the show, John. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be with you, especially on this day. I mean, it is such a powerful and amazing day for our community. And I do have to agree with you. Where does RuPaul keep finding all of the queens? I I tell you, you know, it's like, what does she got packed in her suitcase and trunk? My God, you know, it's like it never (laughs) ends. But um, no, and I'm so glad to when I get to have conversations like this, because it's never going to be over till it's over. And the thing is, is it's never going to be over because people are going to be coming out of the closet. They're going to be queer kids showing up every time somebody gets birthed. And hey, why not give everyone the tools to do this? Now, what could be over is the garbage that comes with now you can't be an LGBTQ person. Right. But I'm so glad that there's a book. It's pretty new. It came out in April. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's so fascinating you say that this idea, why why are there so many LGBTQ people these days? Why do we need coming out day? They're everywhere. Well, I'm an openly queer therapist and I'm here to tell you we are here and we have been here since the dawn of time. You know, there are these conversations I hear all the time about why are there so many this? Why are there so many that? And it's not that there are more or less of us. It's that we are willing to speak up and speak out about who we are, the lives we lead, and share the amazingness of what it is to be an LGBTQ person in this day and age. And, you know, it's always fascinating because I hit these moments on days like today where everyone's like coming out, coming out. And people think of it as a, a one and done experience. 
And yet, if you think about it, you and I talking today on this podcast have just come out to the people who are listening to us. Yep. It is a lifelong ongoing process where every time it hits me, I have to look inside and reach into that place and say, I am willing to speak openly about who mm -hmm. I am as a queer man. Mm. I feel like we're Mr. Sisters already because you just <laughs> took the word. I always say this and people are like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, you never quit coming out. You know, I was picking up my car at the shop. Well, I've, I've been picking up my car at the shop for three days. Uh, the whole family's cars have been in the shop. I'm like, okay, good God. RuPaul, can you send me some money, please, honey? Um, but I, I'm not like super careful about what I say, but this particular shop used to be one of my husband's clients. And I don't know that they knew he was gay, not that he hit it, but it, and I said, oh, you're getting the whole family's cars in. He's like, yeah, I said, well, I, you had mine. I just, this is my daughter's car. He goes, well, you said the whole family's. And he goes, your wife's car coming in? I said, no, my husband's. And I'm kind of like, oh, wait, I don't know if I wanted to go there. I'm like, oh, too late. And then, of course, you know what the question was. Oh, yes. And I knew it was coming. Who's your husband? And I'm like, George. <laughs> oh, George Clemens? We don't know. I'm like, no, it's just George. And I'm like, I, it's too far. I got to go there now, right? It's a never-ending thing. You know, so I think it's really super important, especially as we continue to be parents in the world. We continue to have children that grow up that have gay parents. And then suddenly, oh, what one point we're going to be grandparents. And then there's a whole nother coming out. And it's just so many different places we come out in our worlds every single day. So. Well, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but. I like to share with people what it feels like sometimes to walk through the world as a gay man to help understand what this continuous coming out process does feel like. Um, whenever my husband and I go to a restaurant and the host sits us down and then the wait staff comes up and they look at us, you can watch this moment where they're trying to figure out, okay, are these two business people? Are they friends? Are they roommates? Are they this or that? And then there'll be something that my husband and I do that's a little more intimate. And you'll see their eyes go like, aha, they're a couple. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the thing is, is during that entire process, we are aware that we are being observed. Mm -hmm. And as LGBTQ people move into the world, we are constantly aware that we are being observed. Yep. If I've just seen a great movie with my husband and we're walking back and we're chatting about it and I just want to hold his hand, here's something that we do. We look right, we look left, we look around to make sure it's a safe place for yes. us to hold hands. Because us simply holding hands is another layer of coming mm -hmm. out. And I don't think people realize how visceral those experiences are of how vigilant we have to be of our world sometimes. And mm -hmm. I'm I am so out in the world, you know, right. I speak all the time, I'm a very public figure. And yet these very basic levels of, is it safe for me to be out in this mm -hmm. particular environment are constantly going through my body and my mind. Absolutely. Same here, you know, and I'm not, I wouldn't say like I'm a quote celebrity that somebody would pick out, but I have been, so we, we both have, you currently do live in the LA area. I used to. And there's a couple of times I have been in the LA area, gone into some places and they're like, Hey, are you that guy that has that podcast? Or are you that guy that wrote, you look like that guy that wrote that. Uh, yeah, that's me. And there's always like this little twinge of like, wait, <laughs> who's around, you know, not because I'm like, Oh, great. You know, but there are those moments and being very out in public right now as a podcaster alone, 
there's weird thoughts I have sometimes like, okay, when are they going to come knocking on my door and like, uh, we know you are right. Except they don't know where, well, they can figure out where <laughs> I live pretty easily, but you just, you're kind of always on that edge at this point of uh, you never stop coming out and you always wonder, you know, my husband and I were working um, the film festival here in San Luis Obispo and we worked together. I happened to be emceeing some of the films and we'd get it started. And then I, and we're standing out in the hallway working with some of the other people. And I said, Oh honey, could you hear me? And like all these people looked at me like, who are you calling honey? I'm like, I'm talking to that guy. And it's like, Oh, there we go. Right. It's these little mm-hmm. gestures of love caring, which everybody else in the world seems to be able to say, and nobody thinks anything about it. So well, and the thing that's really challenging if you think about it is we are two adults. We have lived experience. We mm-hmm. are both very open and out about who we are in the world. And yet when you look at what's going on for kids who are wanting to come out, it's a much different experience because they don't all have all the layers of experience and self-sufficiency that we may have developed over the years. Yep. And for them, it can be a really challenging and really anxiety producing moment. Mm-hmm. And I would assume because of the work that you do, that this is why you finally realize, okay, yeah, I have a voice. I have a, you, you said early on when we were first pre podcast, before we turned on the microphones, like there was always a book within me. Did you know that it was going to be a book for parents and, you know, about their kids, or did you just kind of feel there was an inkling of you had something to say? I, when I moved into the work as a therapist, became aware very, very quickly that there was not much training at the graduate level for supporting LGBTQ people in the schools that I was attending. I also realized there was next to nothing about LGBTQ adolescents and kids and their journey. And so that became a real passion of mine to do a lot more research, become more educated so that I could create a practice where I was affirming to that. And so in this book, this is based on the kids I've talked to. It's also based on the parents who sit in my room. Mm. And what I've learned over time is parents want to love their kids. That's all they want to do. They want to keep them safe. They want to love them. And so if I can create a space, a conversation like in this book, where parents can have a voice that's going to sit down with them. I had someone describe it, sitting down, like having a cup of tea with you and talking through their fears. If we can create that space, then we can create really powerful parents, which then will create really powerful and affirmed LGBTQ kids. I remember one of the very first times when I first started speaking, I was volunteering as a, I was on a PFLAG speakers bureau in Orange County. And so I attended a couple of PFLAG meetings and I will never forget the first time I heard a parent say, I just love my kid but I have just gone in the closet because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be. And it broke my heart because I didn't have the best coming out experience personally. And I sat there thinking, man, I wish my mom and dad could hear this. Now I don't discount my parents love me. I mean, I just spent a weekend with them and you know, we've had our, we've had our moments, no doubt, but I think you're right. Most parents, that's what they want to do. Unfortunately, there's a lot of parents who do not cannot, for all their crazy belief systems cannot see their way past this. But I think at the heart of even not being able to see past it, a parent just wants to love their children and they want the child what's best for them. So to speak, many of them don't realize what's best for them is letting them be 
their LGBTQ plus self. And I think that's yeah. where you probably encounter a lot of challenges. And I want this book to be in the homes of those people who are having trouble affirming their kids. Yes. I want to be a voice where they can sit down at two in the morning and look at this and say, oh, it's more important for me to support and love my kid than to live this fallacy of beliefs that aren't supporting my child. Because ultimately, if you look at it, what's the number one job as a parent? Once again, to love and keep your kids safe. And ways we do that is we have to learn, we have to educate ourselves, we have to grow as parents so that we can create supportive environments in our homes. It's really, really vital that it's not just for parents who are supporting their kids, but it's for parents who are trying to figure out how they can support their kids. And I think that's something that parents miss a lot is how they can support their kids. And I know for me, and I, I mean, I came so I came out in the eighties. It was a tumultuous time. I came out right as the AIDS epidemic was just starting. And I had, I had lost an uncle to the HIV crisis. And so my parents were operating from a place of fear and religious quote dogma. And so it was not easy. And I don't think my parents could figure out how to support me in the best way. That was the problem. And so what I've learned through the years of being on this journey and being a parent myself and then actually blowing it with my own kids a couple of times on their own sexuality journeys, that if I can just learn how to be with them, and this is Parenting 101, how to be with your child in anything that's going on for them. That's the battle. It's not, it's it, the how is actually the easier part. It's getting your mind into the, I can do this. The how anybody can learn if you have the open mind. And I think that's where many parents with LGBTQ plus kids get stuck like, oh, no, this can't happen. This Because suddenly it becomes about them. And I'm sure that's what you see in your practice a lot too. It is. And one thing I want to address that you brought in, um, and I talk about this in the book, and it is it is the religious spiritual piece of this. For a lot of parents, the religions that they were raised in do not create space for LGBTQ people. And so when their kid comes out, they often reach this point of, do I stick with my faith? Do I go with my kid? How do I manage this? How do I work through this? And one of the things that I talk about and it's a really beautiful and powerful process is I encourage parents who are having this battle inside their brains to go home and to take a moment and find a quiet space and pray to their God, mm. not talk to their priest, not talk to the congregation, but actually find a quiet place and pray and have a conversation with their God and ask them what they should do. And almost every single time when I encourage this type of, of, of retreat, people come back and say the message was love your child. And it is that simple. And if we look at almost every religious faith on the earth, it is about loving your neighbor, loving yourself, loving your child. All of those pieces are components of it. And when we can move away from the very human idea of priests and preachers and rabbis standing up there and telling us it's not okay, and talk to your God, you actually might be surprised at the message you will get back, which is to simply love that child. I interviewed a guy um, not long ago, 
And he is the author of a book called Unclobbered. I think Colby, I'm going to say Colby Martin. And he talks about, so he's a pastor. He's actually, you know, a pastor who has done his own journey around this whole um, homosexuality in the Bible. And the book is about rethinking, you know, the misuse of the Bible on homosexuality. And he talks a lot about like, just get still. Now, he also talks about do the homework. So much of what has been put into our faith-based perspectives around homosexuality and all this stuff is man-made. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in there that actually was ever in the original intents and everything, but it shows the power of when man decides they're going to do something and we see it ever present in our current lovely state of the world right now towards the LGBTQ community. But it is an interesting space. And I have a, I have a little philosophy that I usually bring up when we're having these kind of conversations that I want you as a parent to imagine for a moment that you quote, win and your child says, okay, I surrender and I will go live a heterosexual life or I will not see myself as bisexual or queer or gender. Okay. And they will go live their life being somebody that they're not. And they do that like I did for 36 years. And in that 36 year of living, and this is not a new and uncommon story, but I now have a wife and I have two children. And now I come out of the closet and what happens now? Oh, there's all sorts of other people involved in this whole thing. There's a whole lot more pain that gets racked up and and stress and, you know, everything that gets put into an experience like that. Mom, Dad, do you want to take the responsibility for now all the pain that's going to happen 36 years from now? It's a really interesting question when you pose it that way. Well, now, some of them. At, at looking at an inauthentic life or how many. Yes. People. Because yeah. the thing that I think people don't understand is when I say I'm gay to someone, most people automatically think, oh, that means you sleep with men. I have a male who sleeps with men. I have sex with men. And that's that's as far as their brains go. And what I try and encourage people to understand is my queerness is, is an essential part of who I am. It is a deep process that I have gone through that influences how I walk through the world, how yes. I look at things, how I approach things, where my beliefs and philosophies come from. My queerness is more than just who I sleep with. And to be trapped in an inauthentic sense of self for all of those years, simply to please others, I think that right there is one of the most painful stories that that we can hear. Well, that was my, that was my awakening. I mean, I came out at 19. Those who've listened to the podcast know the story, but I think it's worth like bringing up in this context At 19 came out was told, nope, you can't be that. Went and talked to the pastor. Didn't work because he was really hot. That's all I could sit there and do is go, wow, he's really good looking, right? At 36, I had an experience with a guy. It wasn't my first, but I had an experience with a guy that wasn't about sex. Yes, we slept together. There was, We didn't get off. There was no, and none of the normal sex stuff, okay? There was a whole lot of cuddling and talking and feeling stuff and I woke up that next morning and that was like, wait, so this is what it could really be like. I didn't have to get off there. It didn't have to be an orgasm to make me realize, oh, I can have that kind of relationship. 
Yes, it was a, quote, one-night stand per se. It was the beginning of the new Rick because I saw something within myself, which has always been there, John. I mean, you know this as in the work that you do. It's always in there. But when I could see the light shining so brightly on my truth in a different way, that's what gave me the courage and the ability to say I'm stepping forward and being who I am. And I say the same sort of stuff that you do. My being gay and my queer self is one little piece of who I am, but it sure gives me a whole different perspective on the world. It helps me see things and see people for who they are. Don't always agree with who someone is, but I'm willing to see you. I'm willing to say, okay, that's you. But I think that's a piece that gets missed so often is this is just an aspect of us. It is not the whole being of who we are. And I think that's another important piece of there being National Coming Out Day. Because people say, oh, it started in 1988. Why do we still need it? And it is because of that need to be seen, mm -hmm. to see that we are a vibrant part of the fabric of society, have been historically <laughs> since the dawn of time, and to recognize that authenticity and to bring it forward. And the thing that's so important to understand on National Coming Out Day, it's not just about like kids coming out. It's about people of all ages coming out and saying, I authentically need the world to know. And it's not even just coming out to family. Sometimes it's coming out to work. Sometimes it's coming out to the community. Sometimes it's coming out to best friends. There yep. are layers to this that are so important because as we choose to come out as LGBTQ people, we raise the visibility and then we create strength for the people who are following us to be mm -hmm. able to live their authentic self as well. Absolutely. And it's, it's very similar to our brothers and sisters of color. They can't hide. There is no hiding. We as cisgendered, you know, white gay men, if you were, if they saw us and we, we just saw us somewhere, they wouldn't make it, you know, they couldn't really assume that we're gay, but we can kind of hide, mm -hmm. but we don't have to. And unlike our brothers and sisters of colors, there is no hiding from the racism and everything that they encounter, but it's a very similar experience. I want them to get to be who they are, regardless of their color or their skin, because they can't change that. What people don't seem to equate is, I can't change that I'm gay. I tried. I tried not to let it be who I am, but I was miserable. I was unhappy. I feared so many things. I mean, we've all had our own journeys through this. And I agree with you 100%. National Coming Out Day is about the many layers of where people are in their coming out journeys. It isn't always about, okay, today's the day I'm out to everybody because you're never out to everybody. <laughs> Just It's a never ending piece, which we've already talked about. So what is the thing you would like to see this book do the most for the planet, honestly? I know I just laid it like, okay, you got to heal the whole planet, John, but what would you like it to do? I'll take it on. I will heal the whole planet. I want there we to go. translate it in every language on the face of the earth. My ultimate goal with this is to create an environment where it is safe for LGBTQIA plus kids to come out, to be loved and affirmed, and to be welcomed into the world with their amazing identities. Mm. Because they have the ability to change the world, to make it grow, to make it more powerful and colorful and interesting and thought-provoking. And if we are dimming the light of any LGBTQIA plus kid, Think of all the possibilities of what's not happening, what their futures could have been. 
Yep. I mean, we're looking at numbers right now that are dramatically on the rise again for LGBTQIA plus teens attempting suicide. Yep. You know, we're looking at um, studies that are saying for just LGBTQ kids, we're looking anywhere from the 15 to 20% rate. That's usually in nine to 14 for most adolescents. If we look at trans kids, that's rising up to 30. If we go with trans kids of color, it's rising up to 40 to even 50%. Mm. These numbers are on the uptick. They're yeah. dramatically rising. Kids are seeing the messages that are being sent out into the world. So if any parent can read this book and counteract all of that hate and fearful language is out there, we are going to move ourselves in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I always have maintained that the day that I never have to have a discussion about somebody coming out of the closet, it will be the happiest day. I will be glad to be unemployed. <laughs> I will absolutely be glad to be unemployed. And I don't, I don't know that I'll see it in my lifetime and that's okay. I'm cool with that. I just know that this is the kind of impact I want to bring into the world too. I want to help create those safe spaces. Now, here's the interesting parallel. You're really focused on the younger people and everything. A whole other sector that I feel like has been ignored in our community is the person in midlife who comes out. It's like, if you're gay in your 20s and stuff, okay, yay, bravo, right? If you come out later in life, it's a whole journey too that's just, it's so devastating because, well, you know, you're old, you waited too long, da, da, da. Of course, I realized then there's the whole group that's like, we love the daddies, right? <laughs> but it is another sector. And I come back to how much healing would happen if that sector never had to do it. Mm -hmm. It happened with the work you're doing because we heal so much down the road. Yeah. And another piece of that puzzle too, that's coming to light quite often is that elder LGBTQ people often put themselves back into the closet yes, so they can get in care facilities and simply blend in. Yep. And that's another painful piece of the puzzle to have lived your entire life. And then to get the care that you need, you have, you're forced back into the closet. Mm -hmm. I think that's another population that we're not exploring mm -hmm. and supporting in ways that we need to. I recently interviewed somebody else who actually lives in your neck of the woods, who has his building. I, I think it's close. It may already be open, uh, but one of the first LGBTQ senior living facilities in the Palm Springs area. And I think it's great, right? It's super cool because you'll be with your own kind, but it's not cheap. You know, it's, and that's something that's going to have to be addressed too. It's like, okay, even if we can create these communities, they got to be more on the equitable side for many across the board. And you're right. I have friends who are like, yeah, you know, if, if something happened to my spouse or something and I have to go into a facility, not sure I'll really talk about my, you know, my gender identity or, you know, my sexuality, because it just may not be accepted. And that that's a sad state, you know, it's very sad to encounter that. So what's one of the biggest consistent challenges or consistencies that you see when you are working with either the parents or the teens? I mean, there's got to be some commonalities. I know in my world, it's usually, well, you know, I met met my spouse, I, we really like met and fell in love. And it was the only person I ever did. Very consistent. I see that with almost every person I've worked with, like they've either had very little dating experience or they met the one person and like, okay, I'm doing what everybody else wants. So this is the thing. 
And then there's actually a codependence that shows up in that relationship as well. What's some of the stuff that you see? I mean, the commonality of suicide, I'm sure that's a very common thread in your world. But besides the parents saying, I really just want to love my child. What's some other things that parents, if a parent's listening to this, they could see and understand? A really important concept that I actually give a whole chapter over to in the book is helping parents understand that they are going to potentially go through a grieving process when their kid comes out. Not a lot of people talk openly about this. And the way I like to describe it is for most parents, when your kid is born, you hold them in your arms, you look in their eyes, and you project forward an entire lifetime for them. They're yep. going to be the captain of the football team or their head cheerleader, a valedictorian. They're going to go away to college, go to medical school, become a doctor, buy a huge mansion and put you in the mother-in-law's house in the back and take care of you the rest of your life with two golden retrievers and grandkids. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when your kid comes out, that dream shatters. Mm. What I try and help parents understand is it's not your kid you're grieving. It's the dream you had for your kids that you're grieving and creating some time and space for them to move through that process because it is a really deep core process that shakes them up. And it's important to create time and space for that. And I also let the teens know your parent is going through a process right now because mm -hmm. most of the kids, they've been processing it for a while. They've been either yep. working with me or talking with friends or, or, you know, looking inside and saying, okay, it's time, it's time, it's time. I'm going to tell them. And for the parents, it may be this big splash of cold water. So I like to let the whole system slow down a little bit, create a space for this grief to happen. So then everyone can be much more open and connected in the work going forward. You know, it's, it's so interesting, the parallels, because I, I talk to my people in midlife in a very similar manner. It's like, okay, so you're ready. You're scared. You're unsure, but you, you've been processing this for a while. Your spouse, your children, your family, they have no idea this is about to drop. And then there's going to be a grief process that you go through. You're going to grieve. You're going to grieve your old self. You may not realize that you will. There will be like, as you move into your truest self, there's going to be moments you're going to like, oh, but that's that me. I used to do that. Oh, I don't feel that. Oh, that's kind of sad. Right. And then you're going to have the grief around. Oh, I really love my spouse and I really care about him. But I know this is where I'm at, but I just, you know, I don't want to hurt them all. The grief piece is so big in both worlds. And I don't think a lot of people embrace that enough to realize this is what's going to help you move forward but you can't jump over it. I hate to say it. There is no, let's just leap past that and woo, rainbows and unicorns. Here we go, yeah. right? Uh, so I, that, I'm glad you brought that up. That actually points out another thing that happens a lot too, though. It's what I call the one and done coming out process. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, mom, dad, I'm gay. Oh, cool, we love you. And then nobody talks about it again. Nobody speaks about it. Nobody checks in. Nobody, you know, asks what that means, how it's going, what's happening in school, what's happening in life. And it is this very isolating process. And sometimes parents will describe, I'm just trying to be cool. I'm trying to let them know that I support them. It's just like, do you talk to your other kids about dating? Do you talk to your other kids about what's going on in their life? Yep. Well, yeah. Then find a way to talk to your kids about this. You know, I had a moment, it was really great with my mom and my parents were very kind and gentle in the process of me coming out. But in my twenties, um, I had just broken up with uh, my first partner and my mom and I, we would talk quite a bit. 
And what we'd always end up talking about is my brother who mm. was having all this horrible trouble dating. It's like, I don't understand. Can you talk to like the girl he dated recently and see if she'll just give him another chance and blah, blah, blah. And all we talked about was his dating. And one day I said to my mom, I was like, I have a question for you. We never talk about my dating because you know I'm dating again and I haven't for a while. And she said, I don't really know how to talk to you about that. <laughs> it's like, mom, all you say is, so are you dating anyone? But right. she had this barrier in her brain about somehow it would be different to talk to me about it than my, you know, cis hetero brother. And those are those moments where as parents, you need to step by and step through your anxiety to just talk to your kids about their lives. Mm -hmm. I blew it really big time with my oldest child when she informed me she was dating a girl. And I just like freaked out. And it actually was an article I wrote for, for, it was the very first article I wrote way back in the day for Huffington Post um, in their gay voices arena before it was even Huffington Post gay voices. And it was such a powerful moment for me to come to terms with my own stuff because it wasn't about her. It had nothing to do with her even dating another girl. It was about me and my parents having said to me, you're going to ruin those girls' lives. You're going to make them just like you. And it took me quite a while to come through that one. And then that was about the time, like I literally was like, having to pose is like, you should write for us. I'm like, nah, I don't know what I'd write about. I'm like, well, I guess I have something to write about now <laughs> because it was a huge piece of me coming to, as you said, here's my little girl. And this wasn't part of what I expected. I didn't have a problem with it, obviously, because I'm a gay dad for crying out loud. Right. But in that moment, my whole world was shattered because this is what I expected. Right. And, you know, she was in high school and, this is what they kind of did and all this sort of stuff. And now so many things have changed. Now she's, she's engaged. She's getting married to a great guy. And so it was a phase, right? But it's just one of those moments where as a parent, you just, you do kind of freak the fuck out. I'm like, Oh wow, this is what I had planned. Um, one of my coworkers just became a grandmother for the first time. And I'm the one on the team that like, I will push the envelope all the time. And we are a small company and, they're very embracing of me as a gay man. And um, so everybody's like, you know, putting congratulations in the Slack channels. And we we use gifts a lot to communicate. And of course, I'm like, well, what can, what can I say as a gay man? And I'm like, like, I want to say congratulations, but I'm like, so I type in, you know, congratulations, drag queen. Of course, you know what I get? I get RuPaul going, can I get a gay man, please? Can I just get a gay man? And it's really kind of funny because a lot of my team are very faith-based people. I'm like, there we go. This will go just, and, and she, she is amazing. She just like laughed her ass off. And it, but it's one of those things where you learn as a human, number one, and as a person and a parent to find those moments where you step through your stuff mm -hmm. and you just accept it for what it is, and, you know, to my co-workers grandchild who knows you know it's a it's a child it's a little boy right now but who knows where the path will take you so mm -hmm. to speak so you know and one thing that i hear a lot in this work is something you kind of slid by in your sharing 
And that's mm. the idea that somehow there's a cause for us being LGBTQIA+. Yep. The thing that I get from parents a lot is, what did I do wrong? Oh, God, yes. Or what did I do? Mm-hmm. And to me, the very essence of that question says you are actually not supportive of LGBTQ people because you believe if you had done something right, your kid would not be this. Mm. And I think it's so important to unpack the essence of that question. And ultimately, the answer is, as a parent, there is nothing that you are doing that is going to ultimately influence or affect your kid's gender identity or sexual orientation. It is simply a part of who they are. And to step away from this, what did I do wrong message? Because that means somehow you believe you have damaged your child. And my thought is, if your kid is willing to come out and be open with you, you've actually done an amazing job as a parent. And there's nothing you have done wrong. But this is another interesting parallel, John. You, and as a, as a therapist, you probably know possibly where I'm about to go. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with men coming out of the closet later in life. And they say, and you know, so what, what did my wife say? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And again, it's not anything the spouse did wrong. There's nothing she did. She can, you know, I always maintain the hardest part for a spouse who has a, a LGBTQ spouse that they find out later in life, especially when it's a gay or a lesbian you know, relationship, as a woman married to a man who comes out of the closet, there's nothing you can do. You can't like doll yourself up and put on a new face or lose weight or get in shape. You can't compete because you're not competing with another woman even though that's kind of crazy too. It's like, well, here, let me, let me reinvent myself real quick and you'll want me. Right. But there is something to be said about you don't, there's nothing you can compete with because a penis over a pussy. I'm just going to go there. That's part of it. But also the relationship that a guy can see himself having with another man or a woman that she can see having with another woman. There's nothing to do there. There's nothing you did wrong. The only thing you did is you showed up. Yeah. And even the idea that somehow I need to be better so I can compete with the other. Right. It's also erasing this thing we talked about earlier. It's not just about the attraction to someone Mm -mm. of the same sex. It's actually about us opening up, living authentically, moving through our world in a truth that we have had to hide and cover up for years because the world told us it was not okay to be ourselves. That's not competition. That's actually a person blooming, growing, opening, becoming the essence of who they are. So there is no competition between if I make myself more attractive, then he won't be attracted to guys. No, it's actually this gentleman opening up and being the fullness of who he is. And that's actually a really powerful moment in their lives. Well, and the same thing for the kids. I I would much rather... And I've, you know, I've got two grown daughters at this point, and we've we've been through lots of different things. And the moment that I started to actually begin to see them just being these beautiful, open, like, you know, kind of not surprised because I'm like, hey, dad's out queer. Here we go. Right. But there were moments that they felt like they had to hide their truth. That whole thing with my daughter. It's almost like she was quavering as she told me that. Yet there was an excitement to it. And then the way I reacted and. God bless her at 14 years old. The next day when I picked her up, she's like, we have to talk. <laughs> you, you of all people, dad should have just been like really cool. 
I was so glad for her calling me out on that because without that, I probably wouldn't have grown really quickly. But the blossoming into our truth is such a powerful thing. And it's interesting, John, because this whole journey took me to where many of the listeners already know where I actually have spoke at college campuses, not just to the LGBTQ crowd, to the student body in general about if you do not make excuses and you do not let fear hold you back, you can come out to be unapologetically who you are, no matter your sexuality. Some of you actually sitting in this room right now need to have a frank conversation without apologies that I do not belong in college. Mm -hmm. I do not. This is not my path. That is a powerful moment of your child blossoming into themselves and being really honest and truthful. And I hope from what we've talked about today that many people hear that message and realize there's beautiful support systems everywhere. John happens to be in California. Um, you've got his book, get your hands on his book and lean into where there's support because your child is worth loving. You are worth being loved by that child. And that's what I hope we delivered today in this conversation on National Coming Out Day. So if somebody wants to connect with you, John, what's your website? They can find me at johnsovec.com. That's J-O-H-N-S-O-V-E-C.com. And the book's at your local bookseller, or you can swing over to Amazon and find it there. Awesome. And the book, again, is Out, A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. And I would like to just put something out there that anybody who is listening, and I'm going to do this for two people. If you would like a copy of the book, please email me at rick at rickclemens.com. Give me your name, your address, and I will get you a copy of John's book sent to you, but only to the first two people who send me that email. It's my gift back to the community for saying, I want to help support someone who really could use this or maybe in a space. Maybe, maybe you're an educator. Maybe you're somebody who's like, I really, maybe I'm another therapist. This would be something good for me to have at my disposal. Um, please reach out. I would love to support not only you, but also support John and his mission to help more and more parents and kids feel fully supported through the coming out process. So thank you, John, so much for doing this and being in, out there in the world in the way that you are. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing journey and we'll have to do a watch party and watch all stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time and happy national coming out day, everyone, no matter where you are in your coming out journey. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. <laughs>